Heavenly Father, this is our prayer this morning. We want to see Jesus. It is our desire to come to your home today and see you, Lord. It is our need. As we come before you, Lord, we ask you to please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empty our souls and allow us to be filled by the power of your ghost that we may understand who Jesus is and we may set our eyes upon him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our opening hymn is going to be hymn number 12. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Hymn number 12. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. The Lord called Joseph and Mary to the responsibility of raising the Messiah who would take away the sins of the world. They were poor. They had no resources. They didn't know where their next journey would take them. But they trusted God. They knew God was guiding their lives one step at a time. God has a way of touching the hearts of people from all walks of life. 
Soon after the birth of Christ, the Magi arrived to worship Jesus. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were unexpected. The Magi traveled far from foreign lands to bring their gifts and worship. Through these gifts, God provided the income Joseph and Mary needed to take care of the child Jesus. When we step forward in faith to fulfill the ministry to which God has called us, he opens the way before us. Today, you can be that person who touches God, who God touches to help others. You can help a child go to school. You can join with your brothers and sisters in the church to provide funds to reach your community. You can win souls for Christ. When the church calls for support, you can hear God speaking to you. Open your heart and watch how our Lord uses you to touch the lives, uh, touch lives for the growth of his kingdom. Uh, you, when you are uh, ready to give your offerings, there's a box in the back which you can drop the offerings in at the end of church today. Uh, this offering is for the local church budget. Will you join me in a quick prayer for the offering? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you will bless the ministry of our church and that you will bless the offering that is taken this day. May it go to the uses for which you have intended it and may it bless others. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning to you all. And if you would take your Bibles and look in Isaiah chapter 45, I'm going to read verses 22 and 23. But I'm using the woman's Bible. It's also the New Living Translation, but it's really good for guys. Isaiah 45, 22 and 23. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. Before we do our initial prayer, um, well, good morning, church, and happy Sabbath. We have a special video that we want to play, and this is for our for everyone but especially for youth. We want you to uh, connect to the other wise men's story, which is now the second part. Uh, you will be able to see the third part, hopefully this week. And next Sabbath, we will be airing the, the last chapter of it. Hopefully you're seeing it online and you're sharing it with other people so they also get to hear a little bit of this uh, story. 
was a 10-day ride, ride, ride for Artaban to meet his three friends. So he rode into, so the, night. Rode into the night, and was back in the saddle long before daylight. He rode past he the rode Euphrates in the conquest of Alexander, pushing his steed pushing to, its limits, to its limits, always following, always the, star. following the star. But suddenly, but his, suddenly horse balked. his horse balked. There was something wrong. There was something wrong. In the road lay the form of a man. It was a poor Hebrew exile, almost dead and full of fever. Should I turn aside? He wondered and prayed. God of truth and purity, direct me in your path with the wisdom of the you do. He dismounted and treated the man, for the magi were trained in healing arts. And as the man roused, Artaban told him where he was healed. I can tell you where to find the deliverer of all man, said the Hebrew. Not in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem. May God grant you this journey, because you have shown mercy to me. Artaban sold the sapphire, giving some of its value to the Hebrew. When Artaban reached the point of rendezvous with the wise men, there was only a piece of papyrus under a small rock. We could wait no longer, it read. Follow us across the desert. But the star had vanished. How could I follow, said Artaban, with no food and with a spent horse? Only God the merciful knows whether I shall ever see the king, because I tarried to show mercy. He purchased camels and supplies with the rest of the funds from the sapphire and set out to the west. The trails were a rid and inhospitable, shifting hills of sand, a furnace by day and freezing at night. But eventually he came to Damascus, then the mountains of Hermon, the Jordan River, and finally Bethlehem. By then, the three wise men had found Mary and Joseph with the young child, Jesus and had laid their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh at his feet. I shall surely find him, said Artaban. Though I be alone and later than my brothers, this is the place of which the prophets and the Hebrew have spoken. I shall behold the rising of the great light. The streets were deserted. A woman with a baby told him of strangers from the east who had appeared suddenly, saying that a star had guided them to where Joseph of Nazareth was lodging with his wife and newborn son how they had worshipped the child and given him many rich gifts. But, she said, the travelers and the star disappeared, and the family from Nazareth fled away that night in secret. Ever since, something evil seems to hang over our village. They say soldiers are coming to find this king. Suddenly there was a shout from the street. The soldiers! They are killing our children! The young mother's face grew white with terror as she crouched in the darkest corner of the room covering her child with the folds of her robe, lest it cry. Artaban went quickly and stood in the doorway of the house, filling it completely. Soldiers hurried down the street with dripping swords, but at the sight of the noble stranger they hesitated. I come in peace, said Artaban, and am waiting to give this jewel to the prudent one who will leave me to myself. He held out the ruby, glistening in the hollow of his hand like a great drop of blood. The captain was amazed at the splendor of this gem. He stretched out his hand and took the ruby. March on, he cried to his men. There is no child here. This house is empty. Artaban prayed. God of truth, forgive my heart. I have strayed from my search to save the life of a child. Now two of my gifts are gone. Shall I ever be worthy to see the face of the king?
times. Now he has two. Two of them are gone. We'll see what happens with the third one. Will he ever get to see the king? Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I feel that we're a little uh, maybe tired, maybe cold, too cozy. I don't know what's, what's going on this morning, but we are a little quiet, quieter than usual. Uh, and I know it's been a long week for many, and maybe you were shoveling since this morning. So I'm not sure what's your story, but thank God we're here. And thank God we're here at his house to listen to his word. For those of you who couldn't come today, we welcome you on our online service. Thank you for being with us this morning. And thank you for technology that is able to uh, bridge the gap between the church and, and the community in this aspect. Uh, we have a number of families that couldn't make it because of the roads and, and the way things are at home. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that everyone stays safe. And uh, this morning, as we were praying and we were singing, our main idea, the main focus as we come to God's house this morning is to see Jesus. This is the really, um, this is the biggest need we have. And this is probably why we, we come here. Maybe you came for a different reason. I'm not sure. Maybe you came because you wanted to see a friend or, or you were brought to church. You were not even wanting to get out of the bed this morning, but your mom or dad told you you have to go and that's why you're here. I'm not sure what's the reason why you came, but I tell you, there is life in a look. And that's the title of our sermon. There is life in a look. And, and I wish you can see the poster that we used this week where you can see an eye. And right in the center of that eye, you will see a picture of Jesus. And I think that's exactly what we're looking and what we're talking about here. The, the, the main uh, necessity that the world has is, is not to look at you and me or to hear about our, our talents or our, our experience or, or all the good titles we could achieve, but to truly see Jesus in our lives. And I believe that's what God is telling us today. It is time to see Jesus. Now, a lot of people are distracted by what they see. A lot of people get confused in nowadays by looking at different things. And I tell you, if we could only picture all the things that we're seeing through our days, we will be amazed. Some of us have this app in our phones that tells us how many hours we've been on the display or, or in, the, in the phone, how many hours of usage has been someone looked into. And, and I don't know if you have ever record how many hours you spend on that phone. But I tell you, it's not minutes. It's actually hours. And, and if you see on your phone, you will be able to notice how many specific how many hours and which hours are probably at the peak or, or, or the hour that during the day at what time you're looking at the phone the most. I don't want to bash on anybody. I know it's a struggle to keep away from the screens in today's time, but that's the current conditions. Our eyes are not set completely on the road most, most of the times. They're set on what? On the screens, on the displays. Oftentimes, when you look at, and, and, and we often go into the youth, right? When we talk about being careless and whatnot, we say, well, the youth. But no, I think it's everyone. In, in current times, I think everyone struggles with the screens. Everyone struggles with 
cell phones and iPads and TVs and computers, and it's just hard to stay away from them. Oftentimes, we lose sight of the biggest or, or the most precious sunsets or, or sunrises because we're too busy looking somewhere else. If, if we were to pay more attention to what we're looking in today's time, we would surprise ourselves to know that probably we're not looking at what we should be looking at. In fact, we're harming ourselves in many ways, in, in more than one way. I want you to open your Bible, please, and, and open your Bible to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 45. Now, remember that our title is, There's Life in a Look. And I love this because God opens up by saying, listen, there is something you should be looking into this time. Uh, and I love to look at the newspaper and I love to look at my, uh, my phone. I love to look at my wife. I, I love to look at my children. But there are places where you will find life and there are places where you will find death as you're looking onto them. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22 starts by, by saying, look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. Look to where? To him. Look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth and is righteousness. And shall not return. That to me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall, la shall take an oath. Man cannot save itself, you know. For centuries, man has worked the terms of their life trying to find ways to save themselves. For many years, we have tried to do things on our own, trying to find ways to make us better, to make life easier, and eventually to save us. Oftentimes, we go to sleep late, although we're sleeping or we're in bed, basically. We're laying in bed, but we're still debating in our minds how to take things on our hands and how to control them. Part of our, our own existence works around the idea that we can do things on our own, that we should be able to fix things, that we should be able to, to get things done. And especially when it comes to Saving someone's life. Man has worked day and night. Figured out how can we make our lives longer and better. The Bible knows that and, and, and says that we cannot change our nature. According to Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23. I want you to have your Bibles with you. Because today we're going to be going through many Bible verses. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Look at what the Bible says there. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil? Can we change who we are? Even if we do our best. 
or if we give all our fortune, can we change the outcome of our lives just because we try? The Bible is clear when it says a man cannot change on its own. The Bible is clear to, to tell us that when we sin and when we commit a sin, there is nothing we can do to change the outcome of it, which is it. But if we look into this concept in current times, we will find that people can go even to the ends of the earth to trying to find the cure for certain diseases because man is always trying to save himself. But the Bible is clear and it tells us that we cannot do it in our own. Can man be atonement for his own sin? Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 22 Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 22 says, For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. Whether you use head and shoulders or uh, all these brands that, I mean, there are thousands of brands now. And they all have different scents and different uh, smells. And, and, and we like one more than the other. And, and we tend to pay even higher prices for them because they tend to sell us that they're better than, than the rest. And it's all this marketing that I tell you. It's all good about how you're going to prolong your life better and your hair and your skin and, and all these good things. The Bible says it doesn't matter what brand you use. Or how much you paid for it. There is nothing you can do to wash your sin away. Are we clear with that? See, the, 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 the fastest we come to that conclusion, the easier it will be for us to find the solution for it. The biggest problem we face is that even though we are Christians, and now I'm talking to, to, to seven-day Adventists. Because this is a message that God gave to his people, not to, to, to non-believers. This is a mes message that God gave to Jewish people, at some point, they thought that their actions were good enough for them to be safe. At some point, they thought that they could do something on their behalf to, to find salvation, to find the answer for their problems. And at some point, I myself oftentimes think that I can do things on my own. And how much do I get it wrong when I try to solve the problem of sin with my own actions. Pastor, but what are you talking? You're talking about us, and, and we know that this is not something you can do. Of course you know it, but your action says differently. Our actions go in a different direction oftentimes. And the way we judge other people seems like we don't understand this concept yet. Because we put, we put a burden on other people thinking that they should be able to do things their own way. But the Bible is clear. No one can wash their sins. Regardless of whatever detergent they might want to use. There is only one way we can be safe. And only one alone. Now, when we look for help. We often look in the wrong direction. And that's the biggest problem. 
When we look for help, we often look in the wrong direction. Come to me to Psalms chapter 146. Psalms 146, verse 3. Psalms 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. See, when we look for help, we often put our, our trust in people that will not be able to help us. Oftentimes, we look up to the government, politicians, TV, masterminds who are running the world, who somehow will bring the solution to all this problem. Because if they have so many millions accumulated, that means that they know something. And they might have the answer for my problem. See, there is a trend in current times of all these so-called so coaches. And, and they tell you life experiences. And they tell you what you need to do in order for you to be successful. The five key elements that you need to follow in order for you to be a true successful person. And this is what you're going to do. And they tell you the whole script. And, and they tell you in order for you to make money right now and become a millionaire, this is what you need to do. You need to follow these steps. And you can buy courses and you can buy online careers on that. And you can follow so and so. And, and they are everywhere. It seems that people are after Leaders that can tell them how to live their life because they can't live life on their own, so they're looking for help out there. But the problem is that when they look, they look at the wrong direction. Isn't that what the world is telling us in today's time? I tell you, we, we oftentimes know more about what so-and-so are doing in their, in their daily lives. Then what God is saying in his word. And we find ourselves this some, somewhat of an idol. A person that I wish I could be. Because they're so successful. They have everything. They, 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 their wives are pretty. Their sons are good. They all are healthy. They have money. They travel. They go. They come back. Nothing stops them. They all are good. Have you noticed them? If you haven't noticed them, you're probably looking in the wrong direction. I might be speaking to someone that follows these gurus of knowledge and wisdom. Because somehow they have all the answers that the world needs. But David said, do not put your trust in princes, nor in the son, in a son of men in whom there is no help. Where are you putting your trust? In today's time. Where are you looking into. To find the help that you're needing. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5. Also talks about the same concept. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord. Curse is the man who trusts in men 
and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Some people trust their homes. Some people trust their vehicles. In other words, some trust their chariots. But the Bible is clear that you cannot put your trust there. And I think this year was clear when he shows that anything that you can build and say this will not fall, it can fall. If the market can crash, anything can crash. This world has shown us that all those things that you could think of that could never fall are falling. It is more than clear that in today's time, we need to learn to trust God and nothing else. See, two years ago, and I've, I've told you this story, I was offered a job at the Vancouver airport, and, and we were doing the PRD expansion, and we were working there for, for a good six, seven months. And that expansion was a project, $280 million project. And when I told my boss, there is an opportunity, and I might have to leave. He knew I was a pastor. He knew I wasn't working as a pastor at that moment. And he knew that I had in my mind that if ever an opportunity would come up, I, I, would, I would take it. In fact, in those days, we were doing really good. Economically speaking, we were doing really good. When I received the phone call to put everything aside and, and, and come to Williams Lake to pastor, uh, first thing Pastor Glad said, would you like to go to Williams Lake? I said, where is Williams Lake? I have no idea where Williams Lake is. I only know probably the farthest up north that I've gone is Kelowna. That's all I know. And he says, well, well, we'll go. And I think it was 18, 19 of December that we were supposed to come. And there was a huge storm those days. And about this time, right? About this storm that we're seeing. And we just couldn't come. The roads were closed. And, and it couldn't happen that weekend. I went to my boss and I said, look, we're thinking of taking this offer. He said, where are you going? I said, Williams Lake. He said, what are you going to go find in Williams Lake? Are you crazy? He said, we're offering you a job that easily, it's the next, you will have a contract within the next five years. There is so much money involved. We're planning to train you. We don't want you to go. If someone had told me that by accepting the God, God's invitation and, and calling to come to this place would mean that a week or two later, that big job would shut down itself by, the, by uh, an airport, would cancel one of those biggest jobs ever. I wouldn't believe it. Because an airport is as big as a casino. You never close a casino. You never close an airport. They're money-making machines. There's so much money involved into a place like that. But when we trust the Lord, somehow the Lord has ways and avenues to open. Who would have thought the casino or, or the airport wouldn't continue as, as they had promised me it would? See, we're coming to the times when we need to learn to trust God's word 
regardless if you're able to see or not. It is not about seeing anymore. It is about trusting with your soul that God will provide for you regardless of whatever comes your way. I mean, this is the year that God has shown us that he will keep us going. It doesn't matter how many mandates, how many laws, or how many things are happening around the world. His church will keep on moving. This he has promised to us. And in today's time, the Lord is telling us, where are you setting your eyes onto? Because some put their eyes on the politicians or the government. Whoever is ruling this country or the economy of the world. They're setting their eyes on them thinking that they will bring the solution to the problems. Some other people are putting their trust on men. And they feel that it's either my friend, my boss, my co-worker, my colleague, my parents. They're the ones who are going to solve my issues. None of them have the help that you need. They can't provide it for you. Jeremiah now opens and says, listen, if you are trusting men, you are cursed. Not because I want to curse you, but because the end, it's an end of fatality. There's nothing good for you there. Men will always look for its own. Selfishness will take, pride, will take place. They will leave you hanging. Where are you setting your eyes in today's time? There is life in a look. Second of Timothy chapter 4. Come with me to Second of Timothy chapter 4. And look what Paul is telling Timothy. Chapter 4 verse. Uh, 2 of Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Are we in those days yet? Have we come to that time where we are more willing to believe on the stars and, 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 and the sun and all these different beliefs that people just come up with, but not the word of God? In the last day, something would happen with people. The populations we go would go crazy about knowledge. But not knowledge about the word. Knowledge on fables and stories and things that will make them feel good and things that will make them go another day and they will just feel happy to know somewhat they have a knowledge. And this is another sign that we are living in the last days of this world. The more you look into, the more you can see how people are going away from the Bible. Was it in Australia, the, the first uh, minister 
was the first one who ever owed uh, to the seed or to the position without using the Bible as so help me God. He kept those words aside, not using them anymore. Why do we need God in a society that doesn't want God in itself? More and more we will see leaders stepping away from God's word. More and more we will see leaders looking into their knowledge and their convictions and not the word of God. The trouble part is not that the leaders are doing that. The trouble part is not that the governments are doing that. The trouble part is that we as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventists, are also doing the same thing. That's the trouble part. That we, as the ones who have the Bible in, in our hands, are not reading and studying it enough. David had a different expression on this because he knew who was his savior. Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. Come with me to Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. See the experience of David. Somehow he was able to see differently. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Lift up your eyes. And see that God is the one who provides for you. When God. Is the one who provides for us. It doesn't matter where we are. See there are stories in the Bible. Where you can find. This specific event. When you look into Numbers chapter 21, verse 6 to 9, you will see that uh, Moses is being told to build a serpent and a fiery serpent because they are, they are being uh, attacked by serpents and, and, and poisonous ones, and they are being killed. And Moses gets the, the direction from God saying, build the serpent out of bronze and put it up there, and whoever looks into the serpent will leave. Will not perish. See, there is life in a look. The biggest problem, and, and, and you know, not all of the people were saved in that day. Not all of the Israelites were saved. Some of them had their doubts. As they were facing the consequences of sin, and as they were dealing with the problem, as they had serpents around their, their legs, and can you only picture that moment? Uh, one thing that it really scares me is serpents, I tell you that. I, I'm not a, a fan, and I have a lot of respect for them, and even they're not poisonous or venomous ones, I do not go near them. In fact, right, a few days ago, I was visiting my parents, we were walking on the street, this is a funny thing. We're walking on the street, and this serpent comes around. And I'm like, hey, look, there's, the, there's, a, there's a snake right there. Who, who gets to see a snake walking on the street, right? Things that happen in other places. And, and as we were walking, I said, there's a snake. And boy, I got scared. And I, I was like, one of the things why you only spend certain days here, and then you go. <laughs> but they were getting bitten by the snakes. They were being attacked. And the order was given, look up and see the big serpent up there on bronze and you will be safe. Many of them didn't do it. 
they were too busy trying to solve the problem on their own. That they didn't pay attention that the solution was looking up to the serpent up there. See, in today's time, we are told to look up to Jesus, the Savior, the author and Savior of our faith. But yet, we're too busy trying to solve things on our own that we do not have time to look up to Jesus. I mean, we look into the story and we say, how could they, they not do it? I mean, it was so easy. You're getting bitten and you're, you're, you're hurting and maybe you're bleeding and, and, and you're basically limping now because it hurts whatever you're going through and you're seeing your family, you're seeing your children, your spouse, your house is full of serpents. Everybody's suffering this consequence of sin right now. And the issue or the main idea is look up to the serpent up in the mountain and you will be saved. But many of them didn't do it. Why? When we look back into those stories, let's go, let, let's go look at it. Come, come with me. Numbers chapter 20, 21. Numbers chapter 21. And I hope nobody's in a hurry to leave because we're just starting. <laughs> Number tw Numbers 21, uh, verse 6 to 9. The good thing about the weather is that we don't have to worry. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they beat the people, and many of them, many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people, prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Simple solution for a big problem. Is it hard to look? It's complicated to open your eyes and, and look. In fact, you do it automatically without even thinking. It comes naturally. It's not something that you have to go and open an account and, and, and write down your, your name and put your information there. And, and we'll see. Let's go through your case. Maybe you sin this way or that way. Maybe it's, it's necessary for us to go through a deep, deeper background check. We might need to check your record and we need to check your credit. So we'll see. If everything checks up, then you can do it. When God brings solutions to the problem, especially to the problem of sin, it's as simple as look unto the Son and be saved. See, the problem is not with God. It's never been with God. It's not about the solutions or the ways He resolves the problem of sin. The problem is with us. We make things complicated. In fact, sometimes it's too easy. We just don't believe on it anymore. See, the problem with these people is that they were dying. And they were not dying in future terms. They were not dying tomorrow or five days from now or, or, or in a year or 50 or 80 years down the road. They were dying in that very same moment. The problem was there. The, the, the problem was right in front of them. I don't know if you as a parent are able to see your children dying. You see, your grandson is dying right there. He's been by the serpents, and, and there's a solution. All he needs to do is what? Look up. But the Bible does says that many 
died. How can a serpent of bronze save us? I mean, how many years of college did, did Moses went to find a solution for? How many studies have they done? How many ways of research have they processed yet in order for them to say that that will cure us? See, human reasoning, when it comes into place, it only slows down the process of God saving people. Although he says, let us come and reason together. When it comes to salvation, there is nothing for you to reason. All you have to do is accept it. That's it. Although we have to understand where we are in order for us to know where we're going. When it comes to being saved, all you have to do is accept God's gift. That's it. Naaman learned this truth as well. When Naaman came before the prophet. And he presented himself and said look I'm here. In fact I got all these gifts for whoever can cure me. I'm here to be saved. What the prophet said. Go down to the Jordan River. And sink yourself there seven times. And you will be saved. His answer was what? What kind of request is this? I thought he was going to come out. And pray. And do some miraculous work. And have some nice words before me. And then something would happen. And I would be cured. This is not the way I thought I was going to be saved. Because oftentimes We tell God how we want to be saved. How the process works. If it's not according to what I see fit, it must not work. It has to be with my conditions, with my referrals, with my input. How is the prophet telling the commander of the troops, of Syrian troops, to go and sink himself in the water seven times? He had to learn. The young ruler missed it. Matthew chapter 19. He couldn't see. That following Christ was the most. Beautiful thing he could ever done with his life. He, he couldn't see that giving up everything he had. Was necessary in order for him to acquire eternity. He, he, to him. He was blind. He couldn't see that the Savior of the world was telling him, sell all the things you have, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. And you will inherit eternity. You will inherit everything. He couldn't see it. It was right before his eyes. He could not see it. Did he study the word? Did he follow the commandments? Was he raised in the church? Was he someone that kept the Sabbath? I tell you, he did most deeds that we wouldn't even do closely. He would not only follow the commandments, he would help the poor on a regular basis. But he missed it. Moses saw it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, 26. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 24, 26.
by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now to us, this might not mean much. Well, it's just a title, but hey, listen. You're talking about the most influential people on earth. And he's giving up the title, not just of some, some family, some random family, average family. He's giving up the title of the ruler of the world. Not just something, right? I struggle with this because I know the Bible says that in the end times, many will be lost. And many will be lost because of their richness in this world. When he talks about the young ruler, he says that he went away sad. Because he had so much. He just couldn't give it up. But we're talking about having much. When the Bible talks about he had so much, I could only think about billions of dollars right now. He had a, an account where he had billions of dollars. And if you ever get lost because you had billions and billions of dollars... Although it never makes sense in eternity with billions and billions of dollars. Well, you at least had billions of dollars. But there will be many that will be lost just for a few hundreds. Just for an extra hour or two. Just for a little bit of our time here. Does that make sense? Now the Bible talks about Moses and says... By Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than the joy, the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He kept his eyes on Jesus. Although to his contemporaries, he would be crazy. Someone would have told him that. Maybe his colleagues, his college uh, uh, friends would have told him, man, you're crazy. You're giving up the throne. You're giving up living in the palace. You're giving up the whole kingdom to be a... With the Israelites? With the slaves? Are, are you sure you're right? You must have a concussion or something. But he looked to the reward. In today's time, people are confused. And when I say people, I say us. Because we are looking at so many other things. And we are forgetting what God said in Isaiah chapter 40, 45, verse 22 and 23. Look unto me and be safe, all you, the ends of the earth. Look to me and be safe, all you ends of earth, for I am God. And there is no other. The invitation is universal. The invitation is for you and for me. The Bible shares lots of stories. Of people that gave up everything. 
just for them to look at Jesus. There will be many things that will give you the opportunity to walk away from him. Maybe a better job. Maybe a raise. Maybe plans for the future. Even that girlfriend or that boyfriend. It's not worth it. It's not worth for you to lose salvation. As you put your trust in men. The Bible is clear. When he talks about what he offers us. If we give up everything on his behalf. Go ye therefore and teach all the nations. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. The whole world needs to know that there is salvation in Jesus. And all we have to do is look up to him. All you have to do now as the world is attacking us in different directions and people are dying left and right, we need to point them to the sacrifice of the Son, what Jesus did in the cross of Calvary. Pastor, but why aren't you talking about something else? Because nothing else gives us life than the Son. Nothing else can save Look unto me and be safe, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and no one saves apart from me. God is coming soon. Jesus is coming again. And the same message is still being heard ever since the Old Testament. From the beginning of the history of humankind. Our salvation. Is to set our eyes in him. There is life in a look. The song that we're about to sing. Brings us to that moment. And puts us in that context. In fact. I was reading about this song. I encourage you to read the story of it. And how this song came to be. I can't give you the whole story because I might be, I'm afraid I might not do justice for it. But you can find it. The hymn number is 290. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Helen Lemuel, or Lemuel, or Lemnil, who wrote this hymn, took inspiration on Lila Trotis, I think is her name. And as I said, I don't want to, to I'm just going to give you a hint of the story so you can go home tonight or today and, and read about it. But the fact that she took inspiration in her poem, she wrote a poem that is called Focused. And she didn't know exactly what it meant or how did this work. So she went on to study the life of this artist who wrote that poem and who was a great artist in her days. Although she had a promising future as an artist and as a writer, as a poem writer, she left everything to go and serve people on the streets, homeless people. When you read that poem, Focus, you will be able to see the inspiration that she took in Jesus and how she was able to empty herself and to put everything aside so she could serve a life of a missionary. 
Years later, in fact, Helen is, was born 10 years after. The years passed, and Helen became a great artist as well. And she was a songwriter. And she used to uh, do critics on music. And, and she would go from place to place. She did lots of her studies, uh, story, uh, studies here in the U.S. and then in Germany. And then she came back. Coming to the end of her years, she became, uh, well, after she was uh, diagnosed with this disease, she lost her sight. And she was blind. And as soon as this happened, her husband left her, basically abandoned her. And she started losing most of the uh, economic uh, treasure she had gained by then. And in that inspiration, and inspired on the poem, on the poem Focus, she wrote this hymn. Being blind completely, but being able to see Jesus through the eyes of the soul. Let's stand up today and sing this melody and read on the words and understand what the words are saying. So this pray, uh, prayer can also be yours. Let's stand up and pray uh, and sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
Dear Heavenly Father, we turn our eyes on to you. We are tired of looking for answers in various places and only being disappointed. Lord, today we want to tell you that we look up to you for your salvation. Please help us to stay connected to you. We want to know who Jesus is truly in our lives. And we pray that you will give us the resources, the means to go out and to tell the world that is dying that Jesus is the answer for every single need. Bless our families, Lord. Bring salvation to your people. Today we cry out to you, asking you to please visit our homes. Help us to be like you, to share your character with other people. Thank you for your sacrifice in the cross. Thank you for reminding us today to turn our eyes upon you, for you are saving everyone who does that. Bless our friends and families. Bless those who are online. Whatever their condition might be at this moment, may they feel the presence of your spirit next to them. It is well with us. Because we now know we have been in the presence of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.